The following content is intended as cartoonish satire and does not reflect the opinions of the station, the Community Broadcasting Association, or even the majority of the actors saying the lines. This program contains adult language and concepts and bongs. Tune out if you're likely to be offended. Actually, I mean, who are we kidding? One listener? You don't need to... You can stay if you want. It's okay. Government body that monitors all community, community radio broadcasts. You can stay. Hey, how you doing? Government body. You want to go out later? Have a, have a drink. Have a, oh. Okay, so... Here I am with Kevin... Hey, Dan. It's good, it's good good to be back here being the only player who comes here to play with you and no one else ever comes here. Well, they... I mean, you know, I was very kind to them. I, I, I gave up challenges at appropriate levels. Um, basically, I just killed them whenever they got beyond first level and then always gave them challenges that were suited to their level. And they still don't like it. They, they, they just abandoned my game. I don't know what the problem was. So, like, the actual challenger... Here, you get this high, then you just blow it yes, up. Yes, it's like the actual challenger, yes. So, uh, today, we're going to be talking about uh, a couple of uh, role-playing game systems. One classic, because for me, the 90s is automatically classic, of course, because that's how sad I am. I mean, I wasn't born then, you know, but uh, I have nostalgia. I'm one of those guys who has nostalgia for the era before they were born. I just happened to be, you know, I was... I was, hang on, let me work out how old I would be if I was born in the 1990s. No, not born in the 90s. I would be, what, 14? Yes, I just happened to be a very bald, paunchy 14-year-old. It's a tragic genetic flaw. I'm like, a uh, that guy. You know the guy. All right. Um, so today we'll be talking about... Plain- your, fa- your, your favorite game from the 90s? Mm. Obviously Robotech. And Planescape. We're going to be talking about Planescape, the D&D system, or campaign setting Planescape, and uh, what will you be talking about in the second half of the show, Mr. Kevin? Well, something that's not Planescape. <laughs> um, yes, you're not, you're, I'm not sure if you enjoyed Planescape as much as I did back in the day. No, I, I, had, I had lots of fun. I think I'd, I'd get myself into the mood, you know, mm-hmm. uh, light some candles, mm-hmm. some scented oils before mm-hmm. I showed up to the game, <laughs> something soft light, mm-hmm. and um, then I'd just come in pure and focused to try and ruin the game for everyone else. Mm-hmm. Yes. It was uh, oh, lovely, lovely memories. And but today, um, you know, I don't. I, I think that you and I alone might not be enough of a force to be able to uh, tackle two entire role-playing systems. The second of which is as yet unknown. We may need help from beyond the stars, help from beyond the veil of dimensions, help from another universe, uh, and. Um, I previously had no idea that D&D and Devil Worship were uh, entwined, but then I read these fascinating tracts by Jack Chick, and he taught me that uh, Devil Worship and D&D go together perfectly, so now I'm going to use his uh, example to uh, try attempt to summon a devil from beyond the veil, a demon, to uh, perhaps uh, assist us. Do you want to help me with my summoning? Oh, give it a shot. I'm a bit rusty. All right, just look at the Jack Chick tract. So, Yog Yog Sothoth. Yog Yog Sothoth. Yog Yog Sothoth. Whoa. Oh my God! Look at that. Hello. Demon. Oh, I've got to look at my booklet of demons and try to work out which one it is. 
pointed tail? No, no, no. Let's see, five arms? No, it's not that one. <gasps> it must be Asmanoid. I am Asmanoid. <coughs> oh, it must have been Smokey down there in hell, Asmanoid. Sorry, I got something stuck in my throat. And are you do you, are you qualified to review dice-based tabletop role-playing game systems with us? Yes. Excellent. It says here you are because every every devil is a personification of something. You're the personification of not returning library books on time. You're the avatar of that and of uh, stealing lemons off your neighbor's tree. And of asthma. And of asthma. Asthmanoid. Oh, asthmanoid. Okay. Great. Okay. So there we go. Uh, and um, I didn't. I didn't quite. Oh, I'm just seeing some fine print in my. Devil Summoning Jack Trick, Jack Chick Handbook. Apparently, you that cost us our souls. Sorry, Kevin. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. I'm pretty sure it's on loan to someone else anyway. Yeah, uh, <laughs> well, we better make this a good review then, if uh, that did cost us our souls. So, uh, I'll get on to... I had to... I dug was around... Was it my left or right soul? <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, I believe it was your anterior soul. Um, under your... Uh, Soul thorax under your uh, Freudian digichild. That's a lot of books. Yes, I know. I'm just going through an entire stack. Uh, the Freudian digichild was a Planescape monster, I believe. So, um, yes, uh, Planescape had a lot of books. That's what we'll start with. How do I even quantify Planescape? We have to try to describe what Planescape was. I mean, basically, your average... Describe What's your average fantasy... Av your average D&D universe? Or your average world? Describe that. Uh, Amazonian women. Mm -hmm. Everywhere. <laughs> That's, that was part of it. Asmonoid, how would you describe it? Writhing in magma. Magma. Um, those things go together pretty well. Uh -huh. Well, I would have thought of it rather than Amazonian women writhing in magma. I would have thought of it uh, perhaps as a Tolkien-esque fantasy-style pseudo-medieval magical world uh, where adventures with dragons and goblins and things like that happen would be the normal setting for one of these kind of games. Well, you say potato, I say potato. Mm -hmm. <laughs> with possibly, usually some magma, yes, and often some Amazonians, yes. And, and both potatoes and potatoes. And yeah, betwixt those, there would be medieval Tolkien-esque it depends on how deep you dug for the potatoes mm. if you dug too deep there's magma he has a good mm -hmm. point and it, well it also depends on what you're using if you're using like a bill pike like mm -hmm. you can dig quite deep but if you're using uh, a two-handed longsword you can get down into the ground but you can't lift the earth I've completely lost track of where we are now so uh, uh, anyway so if you have your regular Planescape was an, a cosmology into which all these because while you're on the fantasy world, you have a cleric, and the cleric worships a god. And, you know, the bad guy, the necromancer, worships a devil. And in theory, there are, there's heaven and hells, and there's an orc hell, and there's a bugbear hell, and there are various hells and heavens around the place. And uh, so Planescape set those up in a cosmology. They had the place that most of the players went to. They had a city in the middle of the plains. And this is P-L-A-N-E-S, plains as in dimensions. Um... It was called Sigil, although if you listen to the CD, apparently it's called Sigil. I didn't like that. Sigil. No, it's called Sigil. And uh, uh, how much... Uh, we probably can't go into too much detail about Sigil or we'd be here all day. But so Sigil was... Uh, they called it the City of Doors. It had every, every normal doorway and window and even paintings and things like that. They would be normal, but if you went there with a specific magical key, 
it would become a doorway to another plane of existence. So one might open if you carry a feather in your right hand, one might open if you have a certain mood while trying to pass through the door, something like that. So they're normal doors that become magical doors. That's Sigil, and it's a meeting place of the planes. It was ruled by someone called the Lady of Pain, and uh, that was kind of your central city in the campaign setting. It was also a ring that was floating on an infinite spire. Yes, it's very hard. To, once you start describing Planescape, it goes on forever. So you had Sigil, and then you had all the other heavens and hells. There, Sigil was yeah floating above some gigantic actual plane, P-L-A-I-N, that was called the Outlands, uh, that was very neutral, I think. And then you had all these different heavens and different hells that you could reach via the Outlands. Um, heavens, like, so they'd be, I mean, no different, so they'd be, oh, what's the name of a heaven? They'd be heaven. like, yeah, there'd be heaven. Asgard. Asgard, yeah. Heaven. So Viking heaven would be one of them. Then you'd have, like, heaven, which would be another one, the seven heavens. Heaven like, two. Heaven two. The heaven heaven. Heaven heaven. Uh, then you would have uh, things, the various hells, that because there are different kinds of demons as well. Um, and actually, what I liked about it was every single plane matched a D&D alignment. And, you know, D&D alignments were one of the most ridiculous things about D&D in some ways. So it was nice that they kind of made that make sense. The D&D alignments, in short, you're chaotic, you're lawful, or you're neutral. Either you follow the law, you don't follow the law, or you're somewhere in between. And you're good, or you're evil, or you're neutral. Self-explanatory. And you so there's a combination of the both. So lawful evil means you try to follow the law, but you look for loopholes because you're evil and you're selfish. Chaotic evil means you don't care about the law and you just care about yourself and you do, and stuff like that, basically. Is that a good description? Yeah, and neutral-neutral means the car will just, like, roll out the driveway onto the street. Mm-hmm, don't leave it in neutral. So, uh, um, there's that. But then, so, there's different hells. The lawful evil hell would be called, would have, uh, is called Beator, and is full of Beatazu, a specific kind of demon. And then they had the other hell, which was um, the Abyss, and was full of Tanari. I don't know how, if we're pronouncing this correctly. Um, they're the chaotic evil demons, and they're constantly at war. I always personally preferred the Beedazu, because the Tanari were a bit boring, because, you know, chaotic evil, you just run around, and you just, you know... It, you'd, tanari see something that is going to attack it, because they're evil and selfish. But the, the uh, Beedazu... Lawful evil, they're the kinds that want to make deals for your soul and do stuff like that because they, they're they more like Hitler. They care about the law um, so <laughs> on the surface. So you had more of a thing for Hitler. Yeah, I, was, I felt more of a personal attachment to Hitler. But I remember one game, like, you what, you had characters in the hell and you were surrounded by a countless number of demons. I should note that every single plane is infinite and that always used to annoy the players because they didn't like the idea of multiple infinities. <laughs> it, it did annoy me. <laughs> Uh, and there's layers of these planes within the plane. <laughs> yeah, that are that all are also infinite. infinite. Yeah, so play, hell can have seven different levels and stuff. Um, but yeah, so you're surrounded by demons, and one of them, the lawful evil ones, comes over, and he was just talking like a student counselor or something, and he was like, uh, we've got to work out our feelings. How do you feel now that our army has surrounded you? Can we embrace it? Like, he was, you know, talking like a student counselor. I always thought it was great that you could have demons that could follow that archetype. But then my true favorite was the Yugoloths, which were a neutral evil, so they didn't care about the law, they didn't care about uh, chaos, they just cared about evil. So you could go and meet a Yugoloth demon, and it might not even care. If you're, you could walk through its house, and if you're not affecting the course of evil in any way, then they don't even care. 
So anyway, it was all very mysterious, lots of different planes of existence you could go to, as well as various elemental planes, and then somewhere out there were all these worlds, these D&D worlds. In theory, every D&D world anyone has ever played in is out there in... somewhere in... The Flogiston. The Flogiston, yeah. So it was basically the perfect gateway into ruining your friend's campaign. <laughs> yes, yes. And I don't know how Sigil managed to contain all these infinite infinite upon infinite upon infinite things. And I mean, yeah, so and each each game world could be an entire cosmos floating in the Flogiston that you, that you could then fly between your spell jamming ship. We've lost everybody now. Everyone who doesn't know D&D, we've lost <laughs> everybody. It's impossible. Clear. Just like the crystal spheres which contain mm. this prime material point. Uh... Yeah, and there are the various elemental planes, earth, air, fire, and water and stuff, and where they'd meet, there'd be various different different things. Don't forget about the demi-elemental planes of dust. Hmm. Uh, what happens when the, the plane of fire right, meets the plane of water? We're all, and that can't happen because they're at opposite ends of the spectrum. Uh, between them, I believe, is the plane of air. What happens in the plane of air meets the plane of fire? I believe uh, you get... Uh, let me check. <sighs> plane of escape. Plane of smoke. It's a plane of smoke. Right. I just wanted to double check. Okay, Roland. Okay. Uh, so, yes. Uh, various planes. Elemental planes. An entire plane of smoke, if you wanted to go there. Um... But yes, it was very complicated, but I liked that they tried to make sense of all the silly things in D&D, like alignments, and they made an entire universe for each of these things. So the astral plane and the ethereal plane were different as well. Do you have any abiding memories of playing games in Planescape? Uh, of those particular places? Mm. Uh, some sort of teeth monster in the astral, mm. I think. But I mean, of the general experience of, because uh, I don't believe that you of enjoyed it. <laughs> I, I don't believe that you enjoyed it as much as I did back in the day. Mm. Um, no, I think I think the original summation of uh, trying to ruin the game for others really mm-hmm. fits well, mm-hmm. uh, except when I was doing well. In which case, everyone should look at me. Mm. Asmonoid isn't an accurate depiction of uh, the multiple dimensions and of hell. Yes, I I, I would say that. Um have a clear memory of um you see us demons we we get taken onto a kind of a training camp of mm-hmm. all the different tortures that exist oh. within the hells mm-hmm. and uh, i have a very clear memory of uh, being abducted one day and mm-hmm. uh, being imprisoned in mm-hmm. one layer of beta or another mm-hmm. and having uh, fish hooks put into my testicles uh-huh. yeah and we did do that in one of my games so that is uh that's very accurate what if us playing is somehow influencing your life wouldn't that be weird? Hmm. <clears throat> yes. Uh, so, and uh, that's part of Planescape, but then you have to get into factions and all of that, which is an, another thing entirely. I'm feeling like we've probably lost everyone. Perhaps uh, we'll have a musical break. If someone out there has played Planescape and would like to talk about Planescape to my, <laughs> maybe make it clearer, um, uh, f- uh, dial in after this musical break. It will be 83135000 is a number for that. Um, we'll be back with you shortly. This is Adrian Edmondson from The Bad Shepherds. I hate the role-playing hour. What ridiculous voices. What I liked is there was a certain Baroque grandeur to Planescape. So the astral plane would have the corpses of dead gods, which would be like giant floating worlds. 
or something. You'd run around on the corpse of a dead god. Everything was epic. Every single place you went to was sort of epic. And yet there was, I mean, you'd still see people in slums. Sigil had a had a slum, so you're living on the inside of basically a ring floating in space. And um, yet there is a huge slum area, and then there is the rich people area, and where a lot of the worlds, um, a lot of the cities, you know, you you got used to the armor and the magic and the swords and stuff like that, but it added, you know, some kind of big city ambience. There was a little bit of uh, kind of clockwork stuff and steampunky kind of stuff in there, which just made it feel a little bit different. It was a bit like being in New York or... I mean, I, I, and these days I think of Sigil as being a bit of a mix of maybe Prague and Istanbul and Edinburgh or something like that. You can just choose any great city and mix that in there because it was all sort of weird architecture. And actually, the art in the books is what really sold it. It had this great guy, Deterlizzi. Deterlizzi, I think. On his Facebook page, has been putting a lot of new artwork up there, but the art really sold Planescape for me. I think, as well, if, if you ran a game of Planescape now, it'd be much easier to do, because instead of having to describe anything, you could just be like, oh, it looks like that thing from the Guillermo del Toro movie. It looks like <laughs> that thing from that other one. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if it has influenced things. That's probably just parallel kind of uh, uh, development. Um I guess we should talk about the factions and things like Oh, what? Uh, Asmonoid, why are you drawing that uh, red pentagram around us? I don't quite understand. Is that that uh, obvious? I mean, maybe you're just a bit artistic. Gallery, oh, do you have a gallery opening soon or something? I do do some freestyle painting sometimes. Oh, it's quite nice. I like the effect of the uh, blood there on my carpet. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's a demon style, mm-hmm. and... Um, we take a lot of influences from uh, soul stealing mm-hmm. and uh, witchcraft. The soul stealing school mm-hmm. mm. looks like you're ripping off Buffy to me. Mm. Oh, it's glowing as well. That's a uh, that's really oh dear, oh dear. Oh no! You've dragged us down to hell. I thought we would wait until, you know, our souls got a chance to mature or something, Asmonoid. This is terrible. It's going to take us a really long time to identify which hell it is. I know. We've got this huge map. The Planescape's confusing, man. How are we going to find out which hell we're in, dude? That's part of the problem. Oh, my God. Oh, look. The the planes are supposed to be infinite, even Mm -hmm. the hell planes, right? Mm -hmm. So if we just start walking in any direction, we'll get somewhere. Maybe, yeah. Ah, Asmonoid, I mean, really. So, uh, yes, uh, they had factions in Planescape as well, which all followed a different philosophy, which was quite nice, because, so you would have... Oh, God, what are the names of some of the factions? Do you have that gigantic map there? There are a lot of maps and diagrams for this one, because... Chaos Attacks? Chaos Attacks. So they believed in chaos. They they were basically anarchists. No, the anarchists were a different one, were they? (laughs) There might have been one called the anarchists as well. Okay, you've got a... You've got a uh, poster there with what you were describing it earlier as it looks like death metal logos with death metal band names or the names of these factions. There are different groups in Sigil and around the plains. They all band together and follow certain beliefs because, you know, they've, they've seen that one god is not true over the others because they know where the gods live. They can go and visit the gods. So they start to be more interested in uh, philosophy rather than religion. So, yeah, there we have the Bleak Cabal. Definitely sounds like a band name. Uh, the Doomguard, yep, definitely sounds like a band name. The Faded. 
Dustmen. So the Dustmen believed that you know there, there was entropy. Everything was going uh, rotting away, and they were going to help it along. And that's kind of you know that's we talk about the heat death of the universe and stuff like that now. So that works. There are the uh, Sensates, and they just wanted to physically experience everything they possibly could. Learn every learn the universe through sensation, good and bad sensation. So they'd uh, they'd free league. They believed you know no one's going to rule over me. So chaos yeah, chaos attacks were like anarchists. Um, uh, that's how you spell it. Yes. <laughs> well, I assume that's how you pronounce it. Uh, it's also part of their chaos. Oh. Spelling is for losers. This demon just blew my mind. Mm, some of them were like, uh, they believed, you know, in if you join us, then you're right kind of thing. Lots of armies. Um, that's that's a very brief view of it. But they did actually, they, they, a lot of them had parallels to various kind of uh, especially when you're a teenager and you have an understanding of philosophy, <laughs> that at that level, they they you know you could you could attach it to various Platonic ideas or existentialism or little things you could see hints of that they actually. I mean, you, I was just impressed how much the guys designing it a thought about it and b uh, managed to link all these things together because I assume since the start of D and D, people have been writing about all this this stuff and these planes of existence and they it all contradicted each other and they had to somehow fit all of that and all those gods into some you know universe that fit together that <laughs> i don't know how to describe it into a coherent form that would have been quite difficult you imagine like making a cake out of a lot of really shitty ingredients <laughs> yes and they did it with planescape planescape it's a cake full of shitty ingredients but it turned in my opinion it turned out quite well uh it's like one of those meals where you just keep on adding something just to try to make it taste better. Mmm. And the Lady of Pain who ran Sigil was completely inscrutable. Um, no one... Y y she didn't want to be worshipped. She wasn't a god. If you tried to talk to her, she'd probably make you disappear. The, the, the landscape of Sigil itself could change. Entire neighbourhoods could disappear or be rearranged. Um, uh, each of these factions has a headquarters somewhere. Um, and she, the people who maintain the Sigil... headquarters infinite? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Sigil was not entirely clearly defined. Like, I think it could shift and move, and it was larger than you would think it was. But the fact that it isn't infinite bothers me, because all these all these multitude of infinite planes, and everyone from all of these is coming. Even if only one person comes from every plane, that's a lot of infinite people in that one infinite, non-infinite uh, city. kind of think of it like a body. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got... The, the skin on the body, mm -hmm. it's huge. It's much bigger than you are, mm -hmm. if you think about it. Oh, and hang on. Asmonoid, what are you... Ah! Oh, go on. And the skin is much bigger. Mm -hmm. you know, and you've got your intestines and all that, and that's much bigger than it looks mm -hmm. in your body. It's like it's infinite. Mm -hmm. And then you've got the sphincter, the ring, mm -hmm. bringing it all together mm -hmm. into one place. And, and I don't know about you guys, but my sphincter's not infinite. Mm -hmm. But my body... Is much larger. Mm, yeah, so you got like 28 kilometers of colon, however long it is. Anyone know how long it is? Probably like seven meters. I think mine's 70. 70 kilometers. meters, 70 kilometers, 70 kilometers of uh, like an autobahn of colon. Um, you can go as fast as you want. You fast as you want down that colon, <laughs> and then leading to the terminus. So it is like the uh, sigil is like the terminus of Kevin's colon. Yeah, and yeah, the at the end the ring. That mm -hmm. brings it all together. And mm -hmm. just like that, my ring is also ruled by a lady of pain. <laughs> yes. And the the, uh, the like street workers who maintained Sigil, uh, they were weird, not angels, but just these, again, inscrutable beings, and they only spoke through uh, visible rebuses. So they like had speech bubbles with uh, uh, rebus puzzles. So, you know, like, if you wanted to say bean, you'd have a picture of a bee, 
plus letter N, bean. Wait, wait. You know, like a rebus. What? Why don't you have a picture of bean? You could have a picture of a bean. That would probably work better, yeah. But, <laughs> thanks. All right. Well, let me sit here and try to think of a more complicated example. <sighs> Uh, bean casserole. How uh, explaining how chaos attack is spelled. There we go. That's another one, yeah. So you have a picture of a bean casserole, and then you have minus, and you have the word casserole, and then they know that it's bean. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's how that's how they speak. Um, and so to work them out was difficult. But So there was a nice sense of grandeur, mystery, scope, very Baroque, um, and a lot of possibility for adventure. So you could just run around sigil in the town, which is always like dirty and gritty, and and everyone and there was a slang. Everyone was a burk, and you had to, and a secret was dark. Uh, we, no one knows that it's dark. So it, all this silly slang that sounds a bit like you know old school Victorian England or something. Also, with all the variety in Planescape, it did have the benefit of a usual a D and D game. You need uh, you need the music to go with it. You oh, know? watch out! Watch out, Kevin! Ah! Oh, oh, oh. Didn't know Lady of Pain was here. Mm. Uh, anyway, you, you need to get an appropriate soundtrack for the setting. Mm -hmm. But with Planescape, because they just threw every piece of crap in there, mm -hmm. you can just have any old mixtape you want. <laughs> yes. Just get it out exactly. of your desk and just plug it straight in. Yeah, the Boy George fit perfectly, fit Mechanus perfectly. Mechanus was good. Mechanus had all these little robot men. Well, I always called them Modrons, but then there's some CD, which I tried to bring in today, but the CD's had a bit too much love and doesn't really work anymore. Um, although you can download it for free, but it only plays on real players, so it's not going to work. Uh... They'd pronounce them Modrones. Modrones. I didn't like that. But they're little robot, robotic men. And they're in a, a universe. Their plane of existence is literally giant gears and things like that constantly moving with like cities built on the gears. And then these thousands of Modrones, little mechanical men, they all look different. And the higher up in rank they go, they, they look different and um, very orderly. And they march across the plains every now and again. No one knows why they do it. That was a, it was yeah, nice. It's 2014. Mm -hmm. Little mechanical men and women. Oh, yes, sorry. Little mechanical men and women. And transgender. Yes. Were no. there infinite modrons? I don't know. Or were there an exact number? I, I think there was, might have been I an think there was an number. exact number on an infinite plane. Mm. So there must have been some pretty empty parts of that plane. <laughs> yep. A lot of gears just sitting there with nothing, very lonely. So when, like, the, the Mechanist Bureau of Statistics mm -hmm. had to, like, work out all the things like how many modrons lived per square kilometre... Mm -hmm. Zero. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That, 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 yeah, if you were doing the, uh, what do you call that where you're doing, you're comparing the spare kilometer population density, population density graph, it would be, it would be effectively zero because even <laughs> on average, on average, because if you've got infinity space and, and a set number of modrones. Uh, we didn't lose anyone under the description of Planescape. <laughs> no. Well, we just come, are coming back to the things that always used to confuse us about Planescape in the first place. Maybe I'm, blowing this out of proportion. Maybe they weren't all infinite. I just seem to remember it that way. I probably latched onto that idea and I thought, how cool! And maybe it wasn't quite like that. What about the rule of three? Oh yeah, the rule of... Th yeah, they had a big thing about numbers as well. And you know, Plato back in the day, Plato had his magic number thing and all the, a lot of those early Greek mathematicians started to realise that there was this, uh, something very special about numbers. So that did find its way in, into some of this classical mythology and, and classical uh, science and philosophy. So they had the rule of three, which is just, uh, I don't know, everything happens in three. You, ju you just use it as a catch-all to explain anything that's happening. I'm pretty sure they only had a thing for three numbers, or maybe four. I think it was zero, one, three, and infinity. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of nines and twelves in there as well, because there are nine alignments and... Uh, yeah, they did. They did had recurring numbers. The thing is that uh, it sounds really complicated the way we're describing it, but 
for what they were trying to do, it's a relatively simple template, and then you are allowed to go and add on whatever you want. I mean, we had some good games. There was a place I remember, uh, where it, a plane where it is so cold that even your ideas freeze and concepts freeze out of your head, and so the first thing you thought of was dignity. <laughs> That's true. So that you, were, you were then running around with no dignity. Um, but I remember you had to go get the word that made the universe, and the word was Ouroboros, and then you had to say Ouroboros backwards at some special place, and that all just, you know, that was just out of some book of symbols, but attached onto the existing framework of Planescape, which was using a lot of that stuff anyway, and, um, you know, it was easy to add stuff like that on, and I remember you'd, you'd read all these books about the blood war, this big war that's been raging for eternity between the two types of demons, the Beardazu the and the Tonari, and then there's something about three beings that created the universe, I think the good, evil, and neutral, you realise then, the big secret spoilers, that the Blood War actually is just a feint by the, the Bayetas. They don't actually care about it. They're just doing it so that people don't pay attention to them, that, so they think they're busy, because the leader of uh, Bayator was actually one of the people who created the universe, I think. And it, it was implied we, that I think the third one, the neutral one, was the Lady of Pain, but it was never really stated. But we kind of worked that out as, and made that a part of the campaign at the time. I don't know, you could just bring in a lot of implications and philosophies and symbols anything you were reading pretty much you could throw into planescape you weren't you didn't need to feel limited at all i, I think that brings up a good point especially talking about the the the, the rollicking adventures that we had uh, in a, in a oh, 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 double one mm. uh, you could have a grand huge idea of an adventure in planescape mm -hmm. and at the end of the day it could be meaningless it could be nothing mm -hmm. to everyone around you even though the heroes feel like they've saved the day, whereas in a conventional campaign, if they did something like that, everyone thinks they're gods and mm -hmm. they, they give them women and treasure and cities. I think that, that was a confronting issue in Planescape. <laughs> yes. In an infinite plane, you save a part of that plane, who cares? Yes, there was, a, there was a scope thing. Although if you play it long enough, then you get to be involved in the sigil stuff and things, which sometimes does make a difference. Well, also, if you, if you go to the Abyss which is a hell that has infinite layers, and you destroyed 200,000 of them, mm. normally you'd be a god, but you will have made zero-sum difference mm. to that plane. Also, sometimes on Planescape you would make up a massive, uh, exciting campaign with, you know, you're full of ideas and symbolism and stuff like that, and the players wouldn't want to do it because they wanted to go to the pub and get prostitutes or something. Well, does that mean, if there's infinite planes, that there would be a plane... Entirely filled with pirate ships, with pirates mooning off the edge. <laughs> Maybe there was one that was like one of them had was not enough pirates. Full of howling tunnels that drove you crazy. One of the hells sucked all the color and feeling out of you until you went grey. It was like that was a Hades one, I think. It was just really cool, like lots of uh, abstract ideas and things that would attack you, not just your hit points, but it would attack every single thing written on your character sheet. Almost um, just made it a bit more interesting. I thought that was you. Ah. <laughs> Jeez, including the player's name. Asmanoid. Oh, yeah, names are important. True names are important. Oh, anyway, I feel like we're uh, talking so much about Planescape that we're, it means we're uh, not leaving enough time to talk about some other things. Do you have any memories of games from Planescape that summed up play any memories? I'm looking at these old books and I'm seeing all these iced coffee stains and <laughs> bong water stains and oh, it's like it's like my my former self is right there on the page. It's like the Shroud of Turin, but in bong water and ice coffee stains. I, uh, th there's a lot of Planescape games, I think, which, which or Planescape moments, which spring to mind. But mm -hmm. w again, with Planescape, everything melded together. Other games would come and join in, so you, you, I could never place them. I, I can't remember names of Planescape characters because it's just 
constantly fluid stuff. Well, you could, yeah, you could tie it into any homebrew campaign as well, because obviously they're linked. But you don't have to set it all in Planescape. People can travel back and forth from the homeworld to there. But once you attach Planescape, the distinction kind of vanishes. Mm. Because at that point, you can go back to your home plane, but then you could go back from there to Beta or whatever. Mm. It, what's Planescape? What it's, is Planescape? It's, it's, it's extra like background. falling in love on holiday, you know. It, you, you can get rid of it from your life, but you'll always feel it there. Uh-huh. Yes. I miss my holiday. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, so we'll come back, and I think we're going to talk about... Is it... The latest edition of D&D, which they haven't released yet. They've just released a, a PDF. Is that right? I, I believe that's correct. Okay. I haven't played it, but you have. We'll, we'll talk about that afterwards. Uh, if you want to join in on any of these conversations, then um, well, why, don't we, why don't we talk about the subscriber prize? You're, uh, you're, a, you're, a, you're a good with the whip, Asmonoid. Why should people subscribe to Radio Adelaide? Because there's a prize. <laughs> yes, there is a prize. And this month, you could win... Uh, Red Baron Shiraz, a dozen bottles, home delivered every three months for a year. They are basically encouraging you to be an alcoholic. Um, yes, Fox Creek Wines, a dozen bottles, home delivered every three months for a year. I guess, no, that's not too many. That's all right. They might not be encouraging you to do that. They could just be encouraging you to look cool. Mm, Have a lot of wine. Bathe in wine. Mm. Play a piano. In wine. Uh... To subscribe, $75 standard, $40 concession. Dial 8313-5000 during business hours. And, of course, it's a community station, so, you know, it does rely on the help of the community. It's great. You could be helping out. Um, but right now, we'll have a musical break. If you want to call in and talk about uh, a, a role-playing system, you remember, the number is 8313-5000. You can also write on the Facebook wall at facebook.com slash hour. You're listening to Kevin, the Archdemon Asmonoid, and me, the DM, here on the role-playing hour on Radio Adelaide 101.5 FM, digital radio and online, episode... Episodes 1 to 265 can be found at our WordPress site at theroleplayinghour.wordpress.com. And most of the episodes since then can be found at the Radio Adelaide website itself. But right now, call in on 8313-5000. We'll be back with you after this music break. You can add your opinions about... We'll probably stick to Planescape or the latest one, because that's what we'll be talking about. We don't want to get too sidetracked. But, uh... Back soon. This is Jewel State, and I hate the role-playing hour because they remind me too much of that hitchhiker I killed and buried beneath the floorboards. Even when I cover my ears, I can still hear that heart beating. <laughs> oh, my God, I can't do that. <laughs> this is J.G. Hertzler. I hate the role-playing hour. I hate it so much that I sent an entire fleet of Vorture-class heavy cruisers to blow them out of the sky. And I am your son. Garon. <laughs> Okay, we, we were talking about the spelling of Chaosatex, I believe, in Planescape. And um, the spelling is X-A-O-S... No, no, don't look at the sheet! Something like that. Um, I do. Uh, in reviewing Planescape, I wanna, in, in the style of uh, our friends at Dataset and Bleep, I want to say that I give it uh, 9 out of 10 layers of hell. <laughs> For me, it was the best published campaign setting that they made up. I, the only reason I don't give it 10 is because that extra... That extra level comes in from the homebrew things you add for yourself. Nothing's ever going to be as good as the as the campaigns you make up yourself. So if you, you could, it's up to you to add that extra element to make a make a campaign special. I think so that's my personal theory. Oh, whoa! Oh, come on, man! Oh, yes, that's we're still in hell. I almost forgot. It's rough. You know, you're a real bastard, Asmonoid. That's the point. 
Didn't, I didn't even steal any lemons from a neighbor's tree. Here you are doing this. Ah! Jeez. Do you have asthma? Uh... <laughs> I can kind of feel it coming on if I try to breathe. <laughs> I try to scream a hella scream. <coughs> oh, it's coming on. Damn it. How are you enjoying your uh, demonic whipping, Kevin? <laughs> it's not too bad. I actually found this puppy. I think I'm going to adopt it. Oh, that's nice. It's got six heads and mm -hmm. huge teeth. Mm -hmm. Oh, I can see you gazing into all uh, 12 of its eyes, and it's very... Lovely. <laughs> it's eating my legs! Oh, no. <laughs> Get out of there! <laughs> I'm sorry, I just borrow your whip, Asmonoid. Get out of there! Get out of there! There we go. Okay, great. I guess cool. I'm just not a dog person. Yeah. Now, um, I know what I want to hear about, and what's... I know uh, someone who wrote in something that they want to hear about is uh, the latest edition of D&D. &D. Now, I was her I've been hermetically seal sealed. I, I don't like change. So I have just stuck in second edition for years and years far beyond the 90s um so is there uh that there have been changes beyond second edition it's now to what is a new edition five okay i'm gonna sit back and let you tell me about five because i don't know anything about it all right so I put yourself in the mood mm -hmm. i imagine planescape played out its natural role of you know, the fate of the universe as we know it as mm -hmm. D, D players mm -hmm. and i think we can safely say that chaos lost because they got rid of Thacko immediately. <gasps> oh, oh, my favorite part, Thacko. No. And to, to explain, Thacko is the use of dice to do reverse number counting to do something which is quite simple, but ends up taking a lot of time. And imagine that you're uh, 16 and really stoned while trying to do it. <laughs> no, don't. No. Okay. And this is for every round of combat. Mm -hmm. And even if you're not a smoker, you're really stoned because everyone else in the room is bonging on. <laughs> and so... Imagine they've swept that away under the rug, mm -hmm. and then they, they've gone on a merry jaunt, and, and they've played World of Warcraft, and mm -hmm. then they've played all those other things like World of Warcraft, they're trying to be World of Warcraft, mm -hmm. and then they try to design that game. And so you've got a computer game like D&D, &D. that's, you know, that's what they're doing. And then, then they look back at Planescape in second, second edition, and they're like, wait, that was really cool when the players met a demon, and his, his skills were... If he hits you and you have a less than 120 hit points, you instantly die and you don't get a save. And so they brought that back into the game. Oh, like first edition then. Yes. So players are insta-killed a lot more. So they've taken the computer game aspects mm -hmm. of putting your character together and the raw factor of early role-playing games and melded them together. Mm -hmm, but there's no save. You can't, I mean, as in you can't save your game and then reload it after yes, you get insta-killed. exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. And there's no save on the dice as well. So it's bad, you're saying? It's no, unfair? It's unfair and wonderful. That's what makes a game uh, good. It's unfair. I did hear complaints from people that were playing the last edition that uh, they found that the players were too powerful, that uh, it was difficult to challenge players. Was that true? I'd say it was certainly true. Really? That, that was that was an accurate description of World Edition? I'd say so. Hmm, let me think. Um, I'm just thinking of all the characters which died in all the games of 4th edition I played. It was one. Mm. It was one because they really, really pissed off the team. <laughs> <laughs> right, piano justice. So, uh, so they've brought back because yes, I mean, one of the most famous early D and D dungeons. What was that called? I've never actually played it, but there is one that was is renowned for being raw Tomb of Horrors or something like that. Could be. And sounds horrible. 
Yeah, and people just used to the the way they used to do it was um, they'd herd pigs in there and stuff like that, so the pigs would get killed <laughs> by all the early traps, and like the, people just had to kind of meta game to get through it at all. I think I think the best description I saw was uh, <laughs> was someone saying they they brought their players from their fourth edition game in to play the game when they, when there was a, a testing at a convention, mm-hmm. and they all went in and they were like, "Ah, oh, we're heroes. We're going to beat the monsters and win win the dungeon." And uh, they came back the next day to play. And they, they, they had to go back to town and, and buy supplies and they had to buy all the healing herbs and all the things they could possibly buy because all the characters were getting their asses whipped and they were so used to being coddled. Oh. That's the big change. Well, it sounds like I could finally get back into new editions of D&D then. So this is basically a positive review, though. You're saying the challenge is the menace is back because that was... It needs to be scary. There needs to be a danger for it to be a thrill. I mean, it's like you don't gamble if you're gonna if you, there's no chance of losing. It just wouldn't be fun, so... Oh, rolling a dice isn't that much fun unless it's incredibly exceptional. You know, if you do something exceptional with the dice, then that's interesting. Hmm. Yeah, you need a 20 to hit it, you get the 20. Oh, it's a, there's a, you try to tell that story at parties for years and no yeah, one cares. You, you turn it over slightly when you think no one's looking mm. and all the other players just look the other way. Asmanoid, what was the last edition of uh, D&D that you were exposed to? Uh, third. Third. So third and a half. Third and a half. Yeah, I... I'm, I'd be confu- we probably don't even want to go there because that's just going to be more and more confusing. But so the the fifth edition at the moment is just a few PDFs you can download. Is that right? When does it actually come out? Uh, I think over the next three months. Uh. They've got they've got a rule set you can download. Mm-hmm. That's like it's like the basic set. Like yeah, like in that's getting really off track. Like in GURPS, you mm-hmm. can download a free set of rules. That's, yeah, so to help people see whether they like it or not, that's probably well, good. I think it's more of the theory of the first one's always free. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, because usually, I mean, your your D and D library is heaving with it, your bookshelves are collapsing under expansions and things like that because there are so many of them. So it's always odd when there is a new version and there are only about three books out. But so the the only the only difference really is what actually adds to the challenge. What rules change brings a challenge back. Mostly. Getting killed instantly by a monster, I think. <laughs> so, what, but what was different in the last... Cause I, I, think, I also I heard in the last edition they really had the World of Warcraft-type roles, that there'd be a tank and there'd be a... Every, I think in the last edition everyone could do something all the time. Mm-hmm. Whereas in a, a standard D&D game you'd be used to, the wizard is good for two rounds. And yeah, then, you remember a certain number of spells per day. Exactly. But they changed it, so everyone could always do something all the time. The, mm. the sort of a special snowflake sort of scenario. Uh... But they're bringing back more the the fighter's there to take some knocks, the wizard's there to do something cool, but then the wizard gets killed, then the fighter gets all the treasure and doesn't resurrect him. I think they bring that feel back. Asmonoid, how do you feel? Did you like the danger of old school D&D? Did you like the menace and the threat? I think uh, it's definitely definitely needs to be there, but uh, to be honest, I don't know that it necessarily needs to be enshrined in the rules. <laughs> I guess, and in that, there's all, in the hands of a uh, malicious DM, the, <laughs> or any most rule systems, especially ones that allow rawness, that can go a little bit too far sometimes. Maybe I think it, it comes down to that. At least when you're playing the game, that survival of the fittest idea. That once you pass level five, you're probably fine, and everyone else who comes to the game is going to die. But you'll be fine, and you'll laugh at them. It's that feeling of heroicness as you laugh at them around the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, a few, a, f- a few, uh, a few character sheets getting burned. A few uh, that moment of a few you dice know, thrown. D- 
do yeah do we try to do this or not because it could cost us our lives uh, like who's going to go through this door first and it being a big deal all that kind of stuff I'd, I'd like to see that back that sounds good to me I think also the the other big change is they brought in a lot of the flavor text back uh, there's there's tables random tables you can when you roll on it for when you make your character and it, it's a trinket it's a little thing which your character has and it's just something useless like a like a chicken bone or or a portrait of a of a childhood friend <laughs> things like that it's just that little extra bits of flavor which have been missing for a while, I think. Is there still a limit on the number of times you can get resurrected? I don't know. I don't know. That's that's a mystery for later. The flavour is good, though, as well, because it yeah, it sounded like they, a lot of the role-playing got stripped out and was just implied pre- in the last couple of editions. And there's also the the fun of things like that. It, apart, apart from the fact that just reading the book can... You know, take you on a bit of a flight of fancy, and it's a, it's exciting. You know, and if you're bored because someone around the table is taking control of the game, and you don't give a toss about what they're doing, and they're just going on and on and on about how they rule some kingdom, mm-hmm. you can just pick up one of the books and start reading it. Preferably one of the monster manuals. Hmm. The yeah. DM always and the DMs, that. When the DM's looking, find out what the weaknesses of all the monsters are. So, Asmonoid, how are we going to get back to our mortal realm? We're not particularly enjoying it here in the howling emptiness of hell. I'm looking around, tortured soul, tortured soul. Well, devil poking a pitchfork into a tortured soul. I do already have your soul, so I guess there's no point in me keeping you here. You exactly. might as well let us enjoy our bodies. We'll just make our souls even dirtier. Wait, can we play a game with you for our souls? <gasps> A game yes. of your choice. Isn't that a devil's contract or something? Yes, you can be a player in our D&D game, New Edition. Sounds good. It'll be totally fair. Wait, no, no. We should use an even better system. Mm-hmm. A more fair and thought-out system. Mm-hmm. I was thinking Rollmaster. Rollmaster, okay. So uh, we'll use Rollma- We'll play Rollmaster. Kevin and I will be the DMs, and you'll be a level one character. You'll be the D, I'll be the M. Mm-hmm, all right. So what are you thinking? A 500 goblins attack him in the first round before he has a chance to react? Plus a dragon. No, wait. Maybe he was raised by 500 goblins. Mm. And then they attack him in his cot. Five minutes later... Sorry, Devil, no hard feelings. We really thought your character was going to last a little longer against that gigantic undead army of the accursed. And uh, you got killed by a devil in the end. That's irony, isn't it? (laughs) Well, the really raw thing was me breaking my back from the E-Critical from trying to pick up that cat Mm. in the first round. Yes, those E-Criticals in Rollmaster are tough. You, You slipped on a turtle and broke your back. And uh, I didn't even know where that turtle came from. It's like a magical teleporting turtle of the plains. And it's turtles all the way down. Yeah. <laughs> Tur- infinite planes, infinite turtles. Always ready when you roll a re- an E-critical. Well, so, uh, Kevin, what are we going to do? Are we going to play some Planescape? Are we going to play some... Well, I don't know about you, DM, but after Ed. talking about that so much, I'm I'm pumped. I want to <laughs> yeah. play. I want to play anything. I want to play everything at once. Everything at once. That's what Planescape's for. I wonder they need now. They need a Planescape that links all the editions together, so that all the different editions uh, can come through into the same universe. I'm not. That's a point, though. I'm not actually sure how much Planescape has been adapted in future editions in terms of. Maybe they had one expansion book about all the planes, whereas in Planescape era you had books on. You had so many. There are so many books you could get with detail, detail on all these planes. I think is this I, I, in the background in the I later editions. In the in the fourth edition, they were always my favorite books, and part of that is one of the same reasons the Planescape books are so cool. Is it always has the best art. 
Maybe it's just because it's so out there and the artists can just do what they want, but I just like looking at the pictures. Mm. Did 4th edition have a lot of uh, expansion material? Yeah, not as much. I think if you th if you look back at the catalogues from, from the early editions of, of games in the 90s, which just had libraries and libraries of books that I'm pretty sure no one ever bought, <laughs> most of them, but it was much more... Much shorter, but there was there was a lot of material. There was a lot of material there. Hmm. So, so what you're saying about the the, the coddling is that uh, in fourth ed you could actually survive in Dark Sun. <laughs> I, there was a Dark Sun campaign book. Really, really cool. <laughs> oh look, look what came with us. Oh, it's a six-headed dog. Oh. <laughs> oh no, no, not in the Playscape books. Oh no, oh. it's got six dongs as well. It's peeing right on the Thacko rules. He did. Oh, he must have rolled a 20 and then minus the armor class. And, oh, you stupid dog. Well, we'll clean this up. We'll get back to playing with uh, Asmonoid. Uh, any character you want to play in Planescape, Asmonoid? You be an angel. An Asimar, half half angel person. He's oh. looking at me blankly. Not very impressed. Fine, Asmonoid. You won't be an angel. Oh, look. Oh, now it's being on the PDFs with the new edition. You stupid dog. I want to play an Amazonian. There's magma underneath. Doom.